Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, like Southampton in the championship, that is England's second division. We are back. I know. That's, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do it to them like that. I'm, I'm not even a Southampton hater. They punched above their weight for many years, but they are officially the first team to be relegated from the Premier League this year. It's been a long time coming, it feels like. I mean, yeah. you and I, Paul, this is the Ringer Gambling Show, by the way. I'm Steve Cerruti, joined by the great Paul Carr, as always. You and I kind of gave them out, I think, preseason, as I was okay. certainly, after like the first game, I think they lost like 4-1 or something to Tottenham. I was like, this team's not good, man. They are not good. They haven't been able to like kind of churn out the the same talent that they have over the years. And then they've always been a selling club, but yep. they were a selling club flirting with, you know, European places for a while. And the last couple of years, it's been a downturn. So they are officially the first ones to take the dive down to the second division. Yeah, happy for my plus 300 preseason bet. Southampton's not a team I'm like eager to see go down. You know, they seem like a nice guy, team to have around, nice guys to have around, but. Yeah, that youth, all that youth they brought in, none of it seemed to kind of click. And they needed that, especially given kind of the style they wanted to play and such. Yeah, we'll get to more of the, the relegation battle as well, because now it's basically roughly four teams for two spots, um, including my Everton side, which wow. picked up a surprise win the last time before the last time we taped. Yeah. They had a huge win and, and then a loss to City since the last time we actually talked. But um, a little bit of trivia before we get to the other stuff, which is, again, we're going to talk about the Champions League. Semifinal second legs. Um, we'll get into Barcelona winning La Liga, which is you know surprisingly the first time in a while actually. Um, and as always, we'll close it out with our best bets. But a little bit of a trivia here on Southampton going down to the Championship, Paul. The last time they were in the Championship was the 2011-2012 season, so like 11 or so years ago. Paul, can you guess, including <laughs> Southampton? So I'll give you one. Can you guess how many current Premier League teams were playing in the second division in the Championship 11 11 years ago? Um, like eight. Oh, that's a good guess. It's actually seven. Oh, it is okay. seven teams. Any idea? Want to take any stabs at who they were? Who's in the second division? Eight, um, Burnley. Wait, we're, no, we're saying this season. So this season, so actually Burnley were, but yes, they'll but be yeah, back up in really next year. But Burnley were in the second uh, division in gosh, 2012. Um, it's got to be. Was Newcastle still down? Were they down? There? Nope. New, no, okay. no, not uh, one of them. Brighton. Brighton were one. Yep. Uh, Villa. Villa were not one. They were nope. not still down there. Uh, Palace. Palace were actually one, surprisingly enough. Yep. 2012. So Leicester. Leicester were one. Yep. That's three. Uh, let's see. Wolves. Wolves were not one. Think, think relegation battle. Bournemouth. Again. 
Bournemouth were no. Bournemouth were not one of them. Forest. They might have been. Forest were one. That's four. Another relegation team, though. I don't feel like Brentford was that Brentford high up. Brentford wasn't one. They weren't nope. that high up yet. Uh, let's see. Leeds. Leeds was five. Yep. Two more. One's two. One of these is uh, actually a pretty good team this year. West Ham. <laughs> and the other, West Ham is one. That's yeah. Now one more. And this is a good. This was the good team. Fulham. No. But, no. The Seagulls. Brighton. Brighton were the last team. Brighton were in the second division. So seven teams. Isn't that almost half? You know, at least what a third of the Premier League. Yeah. And 10, 10, 11 years ago was in the second division. That's how much turnover there is. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. Like, you don't think it's that much, but that's why I'm always scared. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, Everton, just get relegated. You come back up. You're like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not sure. That, right. I don't know if you want to be playing that game. Like, Burnley, sure, no. they went down. They're coming back up in a year. But some of these clubs, like, it's, it's, it, right. the turnover rate is pretty wild. Right. Has anyone, anyone heard from Sunderland in a while? You know, not too much since they went down. And, Stoke. Stoke's uh, been, yeah, some, Stoke was a staple for just when I started to, following. A lot of times there's business reasons behind it. The free falls, but I mean, sometimes teams, yeah, you don't hear from them again. You, know, you forget who's established themselves, who hasn't. It can just change really quickly. This was your top of the table, uh, <laughs> the EFL championship in 2011, 2012. Reading won the league. Southampton came in second. Right. And then your playoff teams were West Ham, Birmingham, Blackpool, and Cardiff. So, that's uh, fun. Yeah. Good times. Uh, Nottingham Forest finished 19th that year. Leeds, Burnley, middle of the table. Yeah, Forest is a great example. You know, they were, I think, in the Premier League when it started in the early 90s and pretty good. And then until, you know, this last year, basically, last couple of years, hadn't heard from them since then. You just kind of disappear for 20 plus years from a, you know, top flight perspective. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of Southampton. Like, are they, are they, you know, previous Southampton regimes and teams, you say, oh, yeah, they're, they're incredible scouting, incredibly. Now, I have heard that they've got, they still do have a pretty good youth setup. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially one that's coming up, so maybe they just go down, they play the youth, and then they you know, kind of figure it out. They able to you know bounce back up, but I don't know. I, it's I, a grind. It's just it's a it's a tough. Exactly, it is a hundred percent a grind because there's what there's twenty four teams, so forty six games. Dude, that's brutal. It's that a is, lot. That is absolutely brutal. So sorry to South, sorry to our guys uh, to the South, Southampton. Um, you know it's been real for the for the many years. You gave us some really good players, Virgil Van Dyke, Sadio Mane. Uh, you know, over the years, but uh, everyone's time is calling. If you don't, uh, if you don't really have the turnover that's that's there and bringing the talent that they had brought in for for many years, so uh, yeah, like I said, we'll get to a little bit more. Two teams for four spots, basically. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But why don't we do? Why don't we start off with this, Paul? The EPL race is t is basically over. The title race. Yeah. Um, Arsenal. Speaking of Brighton, lose three 0 to Brighton, um, who had gotten blasted the week before by my Everton squad five <laughs> one. You never know what you can get, although this was kind of predictable. And you have a good point about kind of Arsenal and just this, the trajectory, really, of their season. Like, this isn't a terribly surprising result. No, I mean, their their defense especially just hasn't been that good since the World Cup, really. Like, just your very basic numbers of uh, they were allowing 0.8 goals per game before the World Cup, and since then, 1.4. Like, you know, over half a goal difference. Uh, you know, you got a couple injuries in that game against Sporting in Europa when uh, Tamiyasu and Saliba got hurt. I think that's a, a big deal, probably a bigger deal than people are making out of it. Uh, the defense just hasn't been good the last few years, or the last few years, the last few weeks. Uh, last and, few years, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a different discussion, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, just the last, you know, it hasn't been good. They had all those draws, you know, scoring two and three goals and getting a draw. Um, I think my favorite one, they, so they've won four games this year when allowing two plus goals, or no, sorry. Christmas, wait, let me get this right here. So they have six wins this season. They allow two plus goals, so meaning they're giving up goals, but still getting the win. And they were pulling those out, especially uh, they won four of those before March. The rest of the league only has 23. So, you know, just over one per team on average. No one else had more than four and they had six of them. So, you know, it's you can't 
be giving up a lot of goals and keep pulling out wins. So those signs were kind of there. Looking back, you can see them. But yeah, the defense just didn't hold up for them over the course of the year. So they are now down four points to City, and City has a game in hand. Like yeah. we said, it's effectively over. Um, and I don't, we'll, you know, we'll talk about whether that. I don't think it really changes anything for City's Champions League run now because you know they obviously didn't have this information when they played uh, right. Real in the first leg. So, um, but it is kind of interesting. Like I do think that you know City they are pushed by whoever their competition is, right? Like they probably don't finish with some of the, like the last four or five, six years with some of these ridiculous point totals they've put mm -hmm. up. It's because they've been pushed by Liverpool, mm -hmm. by Arsenal, or they were going for that 100-point season a couple years ago. Um, they probably don't need to have the pedal to the floor in, in the Premier League right. unless they have a, the, the teams competing with them like they have had. So it is kind of interesting, like the tax that they paid because there have been, you know, at least one team that's competing with them most years and Arsenal were that team this year. But, uh, but yeah, title race is effectively over. I do have some pretty provocative. Now, these are not my <laughs> questions, Paul. Okay. Gonna, I want to I wanna <laughs> make this is very clear. I've had a, <clears throat> as my voice cracks here, I'm suffering from allergies here, Paul, if you can't tell. The uh, Northeast is tough. Hang on. Um, but uh, two questions, one from a Spurs fan and one from a United fan. So you can tell kind of where they're slanted. <laughs> but I thought they were fair <laughs> questions to ask. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask them with no judgment. I just want to hear what your answer is, and I'll probably chime in too. But this is the first one from a, from a Spurs fan. Um, basically, all of this love and hype for Har for Arsenal all season long. What do they do? They finish second and don't win a trophy. Like, why are we losing our minds about this Arsenal team? Uh, I I have thoughts on this, but like, is that fair? Like, they're not going to win a trophy. They're not going to win anything. Yes, they played. They they finished. I think what well, they were in first place for yeah. over like a hundred days of right. the year, and I think City are only like fourteen total days. So yes, like it was a big, obviously jump for them. But is that fair? Like, they haven't won anything this year. I mean, it, it's a big deal because. Yeah, like I said, they were in first place for whatever, a third half the season, even though, you know, some of that was fake because of the, the games at hand and such, but they were in first place that long. They haven't won a title since 2004, right? So, I mean, this is, it's kind of like... How dare you slant the FA Cups? Come on. Sorry, they haven't won a league title <laughs> since 2004. I mean, this is, I feel like we're kind of treating them in a similar way to what Liverpool got before they finally, you know, won their first league title in a long time. Like, you get a little extra hype when you're a giant club that hasn't done something in a while. and. That's what you get here. And they're first place. And the title race is obviously your number one talking point in the league. And uh, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Liverpool fell off. United wasn't that good. Tottenham and Chelsea were obviously not in the title race that we thought maybe they had an outside shot at. It's like that. It's the story of the league. That's why it's a, a huge story all season. And again, they're a little bit of a victim, for better or worse, of the way the matches fell out. You know, if they'd been yep. like two or three points behind City the whole season, this wouldn't have felt quite as bad. But they were not. They were up a few points for a huge chunk of the season. And so, you know, it just hurts a little more just when you have those expectations to get raised higher, even though maybe they shouldn't have been given the situation. So I, I actually hate this. <laughs> I, I hate this logic of thinking because this is like the rings culture, the trophies culture thing, which, listen, from a Spurs fan, like, I, don't, I just don't want to hear it. You guys haven't won anything <laughs> in however long. Like, I get it. You're getting your pot shots right. in. Like, Arsenal right. sucks. Yeah, yeah. And typically, typically, I'm actually on Spurs side of this because like, I thought it was really dumb and annoying all the Arsenal fans calling out Spurs for not winning trophies the last couple of years when the last time that Arsenal even finished ahead of Spurs in the table was, I believe, 2015-16. So it's been a minute, Arsenal fans, since you've even finished ahead of Spurs. But I have to, I, if I'm if I'm going gonna, gonna to stand on that, I've also got to stand here and say, there's levels to this, man. Like, Arsenal, finishing second is an accomplishment. Yeah. I know you don't get a trophy. It doesn't matter to me. This is a major jump for a club that I didn't think was had this 
type of capabilities right. coming into the season. I thought fourth place would have been an unbelievable achievement for them. Yeah, they finished second. They pushed City for most of the season. So I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't clown on Arsenal fans for making fun of Spurs fans for that reason, and then not also back Arsenal and say hey, they've had a good season. Because I just think at the end of the day, like it goes back to like I even. Well, I'll go back even further. Remember when, uh, you know, Arsenal fans were clowning on Spurs fans. Uh, last couple of years, including those years, they finished runner-up in the Champions League. To me, all right, yeah, you don't get a trophy for that, but that's a massive achievement. Like, that's not something to be made fun of. Yeah, you don't get to hang a banner or hang or have a silverware or get a medal, but that's a big deal. And I and I kind of think this is the equivalent to that. I think Arsenal finishing second, yeah, you don't get anything, you don't get any hardware, but it's a big freaking mm-hmm. deal, and it is. And it could be a culture changer for their club. So I actually don't think this is fair. Yeah, I, I really don't either. I mean, here's, you gotta, figure, you gotta remember where Arsenal came from. And I mean that just in the last five, seven years. I mean, they hadn't finished better than fifth since 2016 in the Premier League. You don't make a jump, usually, from you know fifth to a title contender, especially when we've got a, one or two kind of super clubs of sorts in City and we thought Liverpool at the beginning of the year. So they, Arsenal was plus money to finish top four, like plus 150 yeah. to finish top four before the season, which I played. Thank you. Catch that one. Um, so yeah. You got to remember that's what you have to keep in mind. And we know Arsenal is one of the you know kind of traditional big four ish, big six, whatever you want to you know whatever the numbers at now it changes as the finances change and such. But they were not coming from a, you know they didn't finish runner up last year. Like if you would have told again, I think if you would tell Arsenal before the season you're going to finish second, you're going to hang around the title race most of the season. That's a pretty sizable jump Snatch that I think hand off. almost yep. anybody would take. The way it played out. You know, if you flip it and Arsenal, again, Arsenal came from behind and kind of sneaked into second by finishing strong, there'd be tons of optimism heading into next year. So the way it played out does make it taste a little sour, I think. But the big picture, how the year played out and went for Arsenal, I think you got to be pretty happy. All right, so we both agree there. This one, I think, this is number two. This is from a United fan. This one, I think, is a little bit more fair, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, if United win the FA Cup and finish top four, they will have had a better season than Arsenal. True or false, essentially. See, I'm going to say false just because I think Arsenal took a bigger step. Like, where Arsenal is at the end of this year is going to be better than where United... Or, where Arsenal is this at the end of this year compared to the end of last year is going to be better or different, at least, than where United was in those two campaigns. And I know United hasn't been quite at the peak the last couple of years either. But Arsenal can, you know, jump up to second best in the Premier League. They're back in Champions League. Again, that's a big deal. For Arsenal and a lot of money, you know, another hundred million dollars, whatever that's going to come in. Uh, and United, you know, they stabilized. You know, I think that more than anything was what was important there is they didn't, you know, free fall like Chelsea, Tottenham somewhat did. Uh, so, so it's not it's a successful season for United. I, and I can see the case if a trophy trumps everything to flip it, but I think Arsenal just made a bigger jump on the whole as a club and as a team this year. I think this one is a little more fair. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, who knows? Crazy things that happen. It's a one-off game. We'll see kind of what the rest of City, you know, what, what if City are going for the treble, like they're obviously going to have more incentive to try to win this game, not even just it being against their rival and for a trophy. Uh, but if, if United somehow do win the FA Cup and finish top four, which I think they will finish top four now, let's, I'll look at the odds here. Yeah, they're um, On FanDuel, they're minus 700. Newcastle are minus 550. Liverpool, who... We're recording this on um, on Monday afternoon. Liverpool haven't played uh, Leicester yet, so they are plus two hundred, and then Brighton's up, you know, plus three thousand. They're they're basically out of it. 
I do think there's a case to be made. Like you, you finish, you, you have the same goal. Like who cares if you finish second versus right. four, yeah. you both are yeah. making champions. Like it doesn't matter. Maybe there's a little bit more money you get from TV money. Right. It's not right. really that it's, it's pretty negligible. And then you end up winning like a major trophy. I do think I, listen, I would rather be Arsenal this year and going forward than I would United. But I do, I do think it's hard to argue that if you basically both get champions league football and one of you wins a trophy, the one that won the trophy probably did have a better season. So yeah. this one, I don't know. I got it. We're kind of splitting hairs, right. hairs here. Again, this is just rival fans trying to take a little bit of piece of the pie here and just take a little. Everyone's taking the pot shots at Arsenal left and right, which I get it. You know, they're they're it's 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 fun to like you know when when they were you know, thinking they were going to raise the trophy and you know win for the first time as you said since '04. You know, it's fun to see them kind of collapse if you're an opposing fan. But I do think you have to take into account the trophy here. And if United yeah. do win a trophy, I think it's fair to say they probably did have a better season. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it just comes down to what do you like better? Is the trophy outweigh the you know, getting the club back in Champions League and such. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a pretty reasonable case. I'm not gonna, I wouldn't fight this one too hard. But I just think that Arsenal, again, you know, United was in Champions League a couple of years ago. Arsenal had been there since 2016-17. So I could say that was a sizable jump in trying to restore this club to where it was, you know, a decade ago. And I think that was a bigger move, a bigger jump that they made than what United did. But again, if you think the trophy trumps it, I can't argue with that much either. Yeah, if it was like the Community Shield, I wouldn't say right, so. No, but the FA Cup, not. it's still, it's still, <laughs> FA Cup is still somewhat, right. you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the second biggest trophy in England. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'll, I think there's is something to say. Now, do I think they're going to win that? No, yeah. we'll talk about that later as that game approaches, but we'll see how that goes. All right, so all the rival fans, feel free, let us know what you think. But you know, I'm, I'm assuming we all know based on your affiliation where you're going to land on most of these <laughs> arguments. Uh, let's go to the top from the top of the table to the bottom of the table. As we mentioned, Southampton officially gone. So that gives us four teams basically fighting to stay up for two spots out of the relegation zone. Right now, we've got Forrest on 34 points, Everton on 32, Leeds on 31, and Leicester, as I mentioned, playing Liverpool, I think just, you know, in about actually probably starting right now, um, on 30 points with a game in hand, that game being Liverpool. We're not expecting them to get anything from that game because Liverpool still do need to win, but you never know, crazier things have happened. So, Paul, thoughts on... I guess the, the the race. I mean, what has changed since we last talked? As I said, uh, Brighton get a or Everton get a massive win over Brighton. Forest get a point at Chelsea, I believe, and then Leeds get a point against Newcastle. So you know, there's still team. There's still these teams are picking picking up points at the bottom of the table. Um, although Vegas and and our guys at Fanduel would tell you that it's still a pretty heavy Leicester favorite for Leeds, Leicester yeah. and Leeds to go down. Leicester minus three twenty, Leeds minus two ninety, Nottingham Forest plus two hundred, Everton plus two thirty. So I don't know. I the big Sam thing kind of freaks me out. I don't think it's insane. If Leicester don't win, I think against Liverpool or get something at Liverpool, I think they're probably down. You could make an argument that like, is it worth maybe plus 200, plus 230 for one of those two teams, Forrest or Everton, like I pick your poison to go down. I don't think it's as mm-hmm. drastic of a gap as, as maybe the Vegas odds are suggesting. Yeah. When, and when we're down the last two, three games, like one goal is going to, you know, there's going to be a whatever, $200 million goal, whatever the number is. Uh, and, the, the problem, I guess, for Leeds and Leicester, the Leeds is at West Ham, been playing pretty well, and then hosts Spurs, which, you know, who knows? But yeah. should, should be an underdog, but we know Spurs is a mess, kind of, and what are they going to be playing for? Uh, Leicester, again, this Liverpool game now, at Newcastle, home to West Ham. So these are, you know, these are, for both Leeds and Leicester, you're playing better teams in all of your remaining games. So that's your, that's and the Leicester, reason. I mean, Newcastle, are still obviously in a top four race. Right. Like they've got a lot to play for. You could argue some of the other teams might not have as much to play for. Newcastle have something to play for. Right. Everton has Wolves and Bournemouth. So both safe. Yeah. Right. And I mean, Forest has, wait for it, home to Arsenal at Palace. You know, Arsenal, who knows what we're going to get from Arsenal in that game and Palace will have nothing to play for. So I think that's the biggest 
reason you can get those nice odds. But yeah, I don't mind it because again, one weird goal, one call, red card, whatever it is, it can just flip those, you know, one result and those odds are basically flipped for the remaining couple of weeks. So not terrible if you can get, you know, two to one or better on one of those other teams going down. The issue is like if you're talking Everton and Forest, Everton, if they if they win one of their final two games, basically those two right. teams, if they win one of their final right. two games, they are safe. Yep. And chances are Everton have two real I mean, again, on, on paper, Everton have lost many games they should have won on paper. But on paper, there's points to be had there. Mm-hmm. Forest against Arsenal, what are Arsenal playing for? Like it, again, Forest have still been good at home. That game's at home. Um, so even if Leeds and Leicester do pick up a win in their last couple games, or even four points, they still might go down just because the other two teams pick up one win and they're safe. So yep. that's why that's probably why the price is the way it is. Now, do I trust Everton to, to win one of those two games? <laughs> of no. Not. Do I trust Forrest to win one of those two games? No. Could crazy things happen with Big Sam and Leeds? Maybe. Like, I feel like Leeds at least have a better shot than, than Leicester probably do, even though they've got the extra game that we talked about. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's funny. I was like snooping around like the Reddit threads because I just like to, I like the picture like the, I, I just want to know what the vibe of the fans are. No, no, I'm in the good parts of Reddit. I don't go to like the weird parts of Reddit. I just want to know like what's the vibe of these fan bases? Yeah, yeah. Like, do they think they're down? Leeds and Leicester fans think they're down. Like right. they, and you go to the R soccer threads, you go to their personal pages. I mean, they're basically just like, what's life in the championship like? Especially Leicester. I mean, Leicester fans are like, yeah. we're done. Like, what, what do we what, do? What about Everton? Selling? Everton fans, I think are, I mean, we're just numb inside, so we don't even really know. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we were planning on like right. how, what's, right. how, how do I, how, can I take the train to Stoke or how do we get to Stoke? You know, what, what, uh-huh. what, what are we doing? Now, I think it's a little bit more optimistic. But again, I've seen so many Everton teams be like, oh, yeah, we could beat these two teams and then lose to both of them. I mean, the Everton MO is exactly what happened. Beat Brighton and then lose to Wolves and Bournemouth. Like, right. that's what they do. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, just, I think the vibes on all these teams are probably not great. The Forest are, are probably in the best position. Obviously, they've got the most points. But uh, I don't know. I think these all these teams have just seen too much shit over the last couple of years, and they're just like, they're all numb and jaded to everything. I, I mean, and I guess kind of give Everton credit for going to get Sean Dyche when they did. You know, I don't know if there was a big plan to do it, but you know, we always say, I mean, it's kind of like Leeds. They fired Marsh, which, you know, whatever. I think you can argue either side, but Leeds didn't have a plan. And you saw that play out. Everton at least seemed to maybe, I don't know if they got lucky or if it was intentional, but it worked out probably well. For, yeah, a little, <laughs> probably, that's a good Everton fan there. So yeah, I guess credit of some sort or question mark credit to Everton for maybe salvaging this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about Southampton and their, you know, their, what their likelihood of bouncing back like Burnley did this year. Uh, now, the, the, the crazy thing about Burnley coming back and winning the championship is that they're totally different. Like they don't, it's not like they just took right. the same group of guys and the same manager, like no, they obviously fired Sean right. Dyche end of last year. They bring in Vincent Company, who completely changes like the way, the style, and the way the team plays. And they're like now this attacking team mm-hmm. versus last year when they were basically just to you know put nine, ten guys behind the ball and hope for the best on the counter. Yeah. Um. So so it's it's hard to really predict what that is, but you know I I wonder Leeds. I feel like if they go down, I'm nervous, man. I don't I don't know. Like I just don't know that they have the infrastructure. They're going to lose a lot of the guys that I think are any good on that team. Mm-hmm. Leicester, I still feel like have players that I. You know, I, I don't love Dean Smith as a manager. I assume they'll move on if, if they end up actually going down. Um, but I still think there's promise for them. Of all, of, say it's Leeds, Leicester, and Southampton that go down, I'd probably say Leicester the lo- most likely to come back up next year. They seem the most stable, especially on the field. You know, kind of, they have some veterans. Obviously, you don't know who's going to stick around. But Southampton's so young. And Leeds just seems like such, such a mess, mostly behind the scenes. And you assume, you know, a lot of guys are going to leave. Selfishly, you know, I hope, you know, Adams, Aronson, McKinney aren't there. 
playing in a championship next year. Yeah, they I think they're gonna. Yeah, I, I don't think. They I, I, I don't yeah. think they will be because I mean Adams. I think you can get a good chunk of money for McKinney. Was just a loan, right? To finish this. I think year. a loan with an option to buy. Yeah. And obviously, if they go they're down, not they're not. That. They're not taking that yeah. option. Aronson, I mean, I don't Ube know. would love them. Yeah, Aronson, I don't know. I mean, I think he proved he can play in the Premier League. So it seems like a bottom half type of team would be happy to get him. But yeah, you got to just kind of depends what all the contracts look like. What does the financials look like for Leeds? But I can't imagine they're really in good shape. Yeah. Well, we'll be back um, next week after obviously the Champions League final is set, and then we'll be looking ahead to the. You know, really the stretch run of like, okay, what's the what's the nitty gritty here? Who's actually gonna yep. be going down and breaking down some of these act- these matchups uh, in a little bit more detail? But let's move on before we get to the Champions League stuff. One team that you know thinks they should be in the Champions League semifinal hey. but isn't, but that's Barcelona, and they have actually officially won La Liga for the first time since 2019. Paul, I was yeah. surprised by that. Yeah. I forget it's like the it's a, the Madrid teams have just kind of you know they've obviously Real Madrid, but even Atletico have, have had a lot of success, and Barcelona just haven't had a lot of league success over the years. Um, but the crazy thing about this Barcelona team, or one, first and foremost, you see the scenes, what was it against Espanyol, <laughs> who's their, who their direct rival in the city of Barcelona. They, were, they won it on their opponent's field, and yep. they weren't even really celebrating, but there was basically like a riot that happened. The guys yeah. had to like go into the locker room. It was kind of a mess. Yeah, look, you, fans should not be on the field. And I'm not sure celebrating on your rival's field is the smartest decision either. But, but yeah. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. And it's a Xavi, to his credit, kind of admitted, like, yeah, we probably could have cleaned that up a little bit more. Not, not been as, I don't think they were like insanely provocative. No, no. But you just, you're just, just doing it. It doesn't even matter what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. yeah you're just, on, keep your head on the swivel. Know, right. know your surroundings. Be, yep. be a little bit more aware. But yeah. um, all in all, just a, a pretty dominant season for them in the league. Obviously, they've had their disappointment in Champions League, finishing third and then getting knocked out of the Europa League as well. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing about their season, Paul, they have given up. Now they've got four games to play. But they've given up 13 goals all season long. Yeah. That is insane. Well, insane because I don't even know that their defense is like that's, on paper that great, like I, man for man. And I would say on the field, they're not that great. So this is exactly what I want to get into. Like their numbers are almost identical to last season on the whole. You know, expected goals, you know, your shots, shot quality, et cetera. So their expected goals conceded is 29, and they've given up 13. So that means, you know, you're running hot. And, you know, their goals versus expected goals are, they're un- actually underachieving a little. But the bottom line is, like, there's about 16 goals of goal difference that they're probably exceeding what, you know, the underlying numbers suggest. Mm-hmm. So even though they are winning La Liga fairly comfortably, their numbers don't look that different than last year when, you know, they were a dozen or so points behind Real Madrid because Real Madrid ran stupid hot last year. So this is not a vintage Barcelona performance, I don't think. But yeah, those goal numbers look just gaudy. But the underlying numbers suggest you know, they weren't really any significantly better than Real Madrid was over the course of the season. They just ran super well. Uh, and you know maybe, again, your system might have a little bit to do with that But and what Xavi has been able to put in. But really, I think they just kind of ran super hot, which happens even over the course of the season. So I, I don't mean that to slight Barcelona other than just to say it's not like... Uh, you know, they're back and they're going to be great again next year necessarily uh, once they get into Champions League and whatnot. They had almost the same season they had the year before. The numbers just kind of went in their favor this time. Yeah, and maybe again, because they've, you know, they, they obviously have got off to a great start. I think, you know, through right. the first like 17 games, they conceded like six goals or something right. like that. Yeah, it was insane. Uh, but, you know, also being knocked out of the Champions League and then out of the Europa League, like they've, they've, constantly, they've been concentrating on, they were out, knocked out of the Copa del Rey. Yeah, that's all they had. That, this is really the only thing that they've had to, yeah, focus all their energy on. So maybe that's why, like, they're just, you know, they're just playing harder, and like, there's just, again, it's a more focused energy on on this one task. So maybe that explains a little bit of why 
the, the variables are kind of out of whack. The crazy thing is, so I was looking like the fewest goals in a 38-game season ever uh, is, well, there's two that were in La Liga, Deportiva and Atletico. So Deportiva in 1994 and Atletico in 2016, both allowed 18 goals. Now, Atletico, that checks out. This is what they do. They just right. sit back and they defend and they hit you on the counterattacks. That's not surprising. But the the lowest, the fewest goals, I believe this is top five leagues, the fewest goals in a 38-game season conceded was Jose Mourinho's first Chelsea, season at right? Chelsea, 2005. Yeah. They allowed 15 goals in the Premier League. 15 <laughs> goals. I don't know. I mean, so that, that would be, to tie that record, Barcelona would have to give up only two goals in their next four games. I mean, I guess like the math, I guess, checks out. I don't know, but that would be, I mean, that's, that's we're talking all time. I mean, but again, this Barcelona team, like they kind of deserve credit because it's not like they're just like some defensive team. They've scored a ton of goals too. Right. As you had mentioned, like they're, About they're goals you know, game. Javi, Javi's style isn't like some boring, you know, it's I, with no disrespect to my guy, Jose, like they don't just park the bus every game and hit you on the counter. Like they're playing out and out, which is, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so I guess you have to give him credit, but again, I just, it's just funny to me because like this, you're asking, if you're going to ask me, like, does this change anything about how you feel about Barcelona going forward? No. Like, no, I don't, I don't think they're any better in, in, I, I don't know that they'll win the title next year. I don't follow La Liga as closely as I do say the Premier League or Serie A, but still like I, I, you know, I follow them enough to know that like it's usually one of the two teams, maybe three every year. But if you're talking about Champions League next year, I mean, it obviously depends like who they bring in. There's been a lot of talk about Messi that we've talked about on this podcast. I don't know that, that really changes what their ceiling is nope, to me. Like, I, I just, think I still so. think they're a pretty average. Like, they're an elite team, but I still think they're a pretty average elite team. Right. I don't think they're not going to suddenly be back in that top three clubs in Europe like they were for you know, a decade plus. They're still going to be behind Man City, probably behind Bayern. You know, it, even with Real Madrid, I'd say you know if there were odds up for next year's La Liga title, I would imagine Barcelona is a slight favorite but not significant favorite over Real Madrid. And yeah, that's kind of what I expect. It's funny though, you know, you don't make, you go out early in Champions League and you kind of disappear off the global soccer radar a little yeah. bit when there's not a huge competition in your league. And that's kind of what happened to Barcelona. They got, you know, several young players that developed pretty well this year, which is obviously good for them. I would say they don't need Messi from an on-the-field standpoint. It might even hinder them if they, because if you get him, you kind of have to change the way you play a little bit. He's not going to slide right into uh, the system they're going right now, I don't think. So they're obviously back and still, I don't know if they ever left, but they're still in those top, you know, eight ish clubs, but not quite in that top three yet. But they could get back there next year if they have another good season. Could I, before we get into the Champions League stuff, and I agree with you on all that stuff, one thing about speaking of, you mentioned. Real Madrid, who I just think are they're just much more well run than Barcelona. Are. I don't think yeah. it takes a, a financial analyst or a rocket science yeah. to figure that out, or even a soccer expert to figure that out. Uh, one thing that I did see a headline that that was kind of interesting was because there's all the rumors about what's going to happen at PSG this summer. You know, Messi's gone. Seems like they're trying to offload Neymar, even if it's a loan somewhere, which is <laughs> just seems like a disaster because sure. the fans have basically turned on both of those guys. So the question has also become, all right, what what? where's Mbappe's future, right? He's kind of been out of the limelight because they got knocked out and nobody really cares about the French League after, you know, <laughs> the new year because it's they've both, mostly wrapped it up every single year. There was an interesting quote, though, that came out. It was, uh, I believe it was from Marca about Real Madrid. Kind of like stirring up interest, like, hey, would Real Madrid be interested in, in Mbappe again? And the message was kind of interesting. It was that they, Real Madrid, kind of view Vinicius Jr. Right. as just That's better insane. than Mbappe. As clear as as ahead of him in the pecking order, so especially if you're talking about like you know pacey left wingers, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that they're actually that wrong. Like I think he's a perfect fit for what how they play right now. Not that I don't think Mbappe would be good either, but your thoughts on that? I just I was it was a surprising headline, but I'm like, is it actually that crazy? 
not that crazy. I mean, if I'm drafting a team, I, I would still take Mbappe over Vinicius Jr. But you are talking about bringing somebody into a system versus someone you know fits already. And I don't think the gap is that huge. Uh, so yeah, it does raise the question. If they want to get Mbappe, I mean, do you try one of them on the other side? Maybe. Uh, you know, you still need somebody up top and Benzema seems like he's still going fine, but he's also, you know, 30 whatever years old and could tail off. So I don't think it's crazy, especially given the money you're going to have to pay. You don't, obviously don't have to pay a transfer fee for a Vinicius Jr. You have to pay a salary, but you're not, that's going to be less than Mbappe's. You don't have to pay nine figures of transfer fee. So yeah, if I'm Real Madrid from a business standpoint, Vinicius is obviously the better value and I don't think it makes uh, Mbappe would be that much more of an upgrade if it's a, a like-for-like swap. Yeah, if you're asking me like you can buy one of Jude Bellingham or Mbappe, like I know that this is oh, insane to like, talk about Bellingham, a vacuum, sure. but but yeah, like if you already have who Real Madrid have in place, like yeah. Bellingham is the guy. I mean, I know they they just re-upped, I believe, uh, Cruz and Modric for another year. So right. their midfield is still going to be fine, but you know they've, they've obviously brought in the likes of Chuameni, who is kind of actually might even be on his way out. They were just talking about like loan to Liverpool or something. He has had a sort of a, a tough first year there, but Camavinga has been a really interesting guy. Obviously, Valverde is a fantastic player. Yeah, I, I kind of I think their pressing need is is more of a Jude Bellingham Absolutely. type because you've got that left winger who's pacey and yeah, is, is he as good as Mbappe on his best day? No, but like if we're talking value over replacement players, like what's is more valuable to the club? You already have a really good left winger. What's the reason yeah. to bring Mbappe to another one? So that's that'll be an interesting thing of like what Mbappe's future is long term. Uh, because there are very many clubs that can afford him. Barcelona, we talked about their financial, they're not really one of them. Uh, Real would be one of the teams, but they don't seem to want him. So does that mean the Premier League? I actually don't love him in the Premier League. I just think he'd get beat up in the Premier League. Uh, I'd almost advise like all of those like pacey, like kind of twitchy guys. Like the Premier League is just, I don't know. It's officiated differently. It's a tougher league to play in. Like you'd, you'd much rather be, you know, playing in the attacking German League or playing in, you know, La Liga where it's things are a little bit more laxed or even in Serie A where, you know, the competition might not be as fierce as it is in the Premier League. So I don't know what the future for Mbappe is. He might just kind of be weirdly stuck at PSG. Yeah, like I could I could see him fitting at City. But again, are they going to spend that Holland much money? And, and Mbappe? Although, right. Yeah, they'd probably it's a Holland ton of money. Go. They have, you know, good wingers. Not necessarily best in the world type of wingers, but they have plenty of them. So there's not an urgency to bring somebody in, I don't think. But yeah, I don't, I don't know where he goes. I mean, he's not going yeah. to Saudi Arabia. At age 23 or whatever it is, I wouldn't think. Offer him a billion dollars a year, see what he says, make him say no. Maybe he is, I don't know. That, that would be a game changer. You know, different than obviously sending Ronaldo or Messi there on a, uh, you know, on their last Retirement tour thing, right. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd, be a, that'd be a big one. But yeah, his future is going to be super interesting. Like, like, he could fit at Bayern. He'd be a good fit there. He'd be a great fit there, yeah. they don't tend to spend that much money. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what happens to him. Yeah. Well, let's get to the actual Real Madrid and Vinicius on the pitch itself and get to the Champions League semifinals here. Uh, Real Madrid versus... Let's go to... The, we'll, we'll just do the big marquee matchup first. Okay. We'll, you know, sorry to the... I mean, we know the Italian teams are... They have a close spot in my heart, but we'll lead with the with, with the bigger draw, which is Real Madrid versus Manchester City. 1-1 in the first leg. Uh, we were on opposite sides of this bet, Paul. I was I was on Man City's side. You were on the double chance for Real Madrid. I even said it. I was like, I, you know, you called it is the Cerruti special. You gave out the Cerruti special. I just <laughs> had like a weird feeling. I was like, I, I don't know. I just feel like if I'm getting, if I'm getting Man City plus money, even though it's on the road, mm-hmm. like I just think they're the better team. And I think they were probably the better team for the bigger stretch of that game. But I think a one-one draw was probably ultimately fair anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think both teams are probably fine with that result. Going back to 
to, to Manchester for, for the Wednesday night affair. So let me give the numbers and I'll throw it over to you. So as I said, 1-1 in the first leg. City to win the second leg is minus 175. The draw is plus three, uh, 340. So that's in, that's in Paul Carr territory. Mm. And the Real Madrid to win in Manchester is plus 420. To advance, City, massive favorite, minus 350. And Real Madrid, plus 265. So as I said, 1-1. It, 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 uh, before I throw it to you, this does feel like it's a situa- situation, Paul, where all the pressure is on City, though, right now, going back I think home. So, I mean, you said both teams happy with one-one. I guess I don't. If I'm City, I don't. I'm not sure I am. Uh, I thought they would get, would push a little bit more toward the end of that game to try to get another goal, and I think maybe they were just a little paranoid and cautious, kind of understandably, given Real Madrid's ability to hit on the counter and what they did in the first half. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be super interested to see how this game plays out because if it's you know scoreless for a while or tied late or even Real Madrid scores first. Like, is City going to tighten up? Because they kind of seem to in that first leg, especially, you know, in the second half before City got a goal. City seemed a little bit tight and more tentative than normal. So, I think the pressure's on because Real Madrid is, this is what they do. They are comfortable in these spots. They're obviously comfortable down, you know, two goals to City in the 90th minute or whatever it was last year. Uh, So, they don't, you know, Vinicius and others talked about it after the last game. Like, just like nothing phases this team. And again, as the numbers guy, it's hard for me to kind of lay my bed in intangible land or whatever my terrible metaphor is supposed to be. Yeah. But, but Ancelotti's got them, you know, playing well. Even when it looks like guys are all over the place in different spots, they seem to know what they're doing. So yeah, I, if I'm City, I, I would think they're nervous and could get even more nervous if, you know, something happens or doesn't happen, I guess, in the first part of this second leg. I think you had mentioned like the, what the numbers tell you. I feel like this is your classic matchup where like you can find whatever thing you want, whatever number you want, whatever stat you want mm-hmm. to tell to 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 cater to whatever side you want to take. If you want to take Real Madrid, you go their champions DNA, like look right. at what they did last year. You know, they play the style that basically counteracts what City do. Like they don't mind not having the ball and they're dangerous without the ball. This is all true. If you want to take the City side, you go Manchester City. I mean, just look at their last two um home knockout Champions League games. Seven nothing win over Leipzig, three nothing win over Bayern. Um, I believe they've won three out of their last four games against uh, Real Madrid. So, uh, and it's certainly at home, they've, they've right. got a winning record against Real Madrid as well. So, like, I, pick your poison, pick your number. Like, I, I don't know that, I, at the end of the day, maybe you're right. Maybe the intangibles is the most important thing because that's the one thing that we can't quantify, but that's the one thing that we definitely know Real bring to the table. Whereas yep. we've seen City, we've talked about it multiple times, just kind of shit the bed or do something dumb to, to, to ruin their chances, even as a favorite most of these times. I will say, I thought Real did a good job defending City, mm-hmm. but I do think it is, as I mentioned, just the two games, the 7-0 over Leipzig and the 3-0 over Bayern. They're just a different beast at the Etihad. You can talk about the Etihad not being, I know like United fans joke, we call it the empty hat and how it's not that <laughs> much of a home field advantage. It still is an advantage. Yeah, like you're not yeah, playing at the Bernabeu. So I do think it's going to be a different beast. They also pretty much, they, they held Holland in check for most of that game as mm-hmm. well. He didn't do almost anything. So is that going to continue? Uh, he's going to be more comfortable at home, most likely. I... I lean, I mean, obviously City are the favorite. I lean towards City. Um, they're minus 175. That's not a price that I'm willing to take. Like if that was in the minus 130, maybe even 140 range, like I maybe I could they maybe that would be appetizing. Minus yeah. 175 doesn't really give you anything. So then you kind of have to go into the Cerruti special of whether or not you like an over or an under or something like that. It does seem, and I'll give you the over-unders right now, because it does seem like you know everyone assumes this game is going to be a high-scoring game, just like they did the first game, which it wasn't. But the under, the over-under two and a half goals. So the over is minus 166, the under is plus 136. I don't hate the under. I could see this being just like a butt-clenching, nervous game one, overall. One. 
So, you know, obviously you're never going to want to sweat out a city real under two and a half, but minus 166 for the over, there's no value there either, Paul. No, it doesn't seem like it. And I I will throw out the reminder we always do. These are 90 minute bets. So you're not worried about extra time. And and yeah, that's why I think city minus 175 is kind of eh, because that doesn't count, you know, getting to extra time when, you know, you think city has generally more weapons to be able to deploy uh, on the attacking end. So that you think that would play into their hands. If it gets to extra time, but that's that's a tough price to lay. Um, I'll throw a couple other just points out there. Like Real Madrid rested almost everybody this weekend. Uh, only two guys from only two starters from that City game started uh, against I think it was Hitafe. So yeah. and City had Camavinga picked up a knock too. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And City had I think it was like eight starters or outfield starters that they played over the weekend. So I don't know if that matters too much, but it's something. I guess I mean mostly I think it's Benzema, Kroos, Modric. These aren't. These are older guys. They're not going to be dead tired or something like that. So I think it's, yeah. you know, it helps City out a little bit. It's not a, it's not a giant thing. City, to be honest, though, wasn't that impressive against Everton, right? I mean, I'm sure you're paying more attention than I was to that game, but it seemed like they just kind of, you know, all the shots went in for a little, for those two minutes. They scored twice and that was kind of it. Uh, I just, I'm really, really interested to see how this second leg plays out because so much of that first part of the second half, especially like the first half, Madrid was just kind of doing Madrid things, defending well, look for opportunities. The first 20 minutes of that second half until City scored, like Real Madrid is controlling that game. I mean, they had more of the ball. Uh, City just looked back on their heels like they weren't used to being in that position, which, you know, they really aren't. Uh, but then, they, you know, De Bruyne gets the goal out of nowhere a little bit. And the right City at it. the end of that game, they were, pre- I mean, City yeah. were definitely the more likely to, yes. to yeah. win at the end of that game. But that woke City up in the last, over the last 20, yeah. 30 minutes or so. Uh, so I don't, I, you know, which one's going to come out? Which one's going to, uh, which what's going to play out for City? How much of the ball are they going to have? How comfortable are they going to be? If they don't have the ball, are they going to you know freak out or just kind of draw back into the shell again? You'd think having gone through it once, they'll be in better shape. But again, they just didn't create a whole lot against Real Madrid. They had 10 shots, like 0.6 expected goals. Most of them were not high-quality shots. They had a few other chances that didn't result in shots. Um, but they were not the City we're used to. So I'm going to be... It's going to be fun. And this is... These Champions League semis are as, as good as it gets. You got a European night at the Etihad under the lights. You can make a case here. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a hot take here. Okay. Uh, Real Madrid's the second best team in the world, even though you know they were in third place in La Liga until the weekend. But I mean, all the underlying numbers have them in the same group as Napoli, Bayern, Barcelona this season, and they just run super cold. So you, there's a real case that they are the second best team in the world. And in that case, you know, going on the road, getting a result at least to get to extra time or maybe penalties, not that crazy. But the the problem is they're playing the what? The, the, <laughs> the best, best team, team in the world. world. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the big issue. That's the but, issue, but, of course. But the best team in the world that, you know, has had mm-hmm. nightmare performances in big right. spots right. in the it Champions hasn't, League hasn't over it. the last couple of years. I mean, we've how many times have we said City are the favorite coming into the tournament? Yeah. Multiple years. years. It's happened all the time. So, yeah, like it's not it's not that insane. Uh, you know, you had mentioned like what I think, yeah, both of them had about 0.6 Both of them in the first match outperformed their XG. I mean, obviously, one game isn't the greatest way to judge XG, yeah. but still, I think that's about accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. both the goals were great goals. Yep. Um, I don't think there were like a ton of chances on either nope. side. And I kind of, I don't know, I just kind of feel like that might be a similar thing that we're gonna, mm-hmm. I mean, again, Real, the longer this game is tied, I don't think Real Madrid, are, they're gonna be happy with that. Oh, yeah. They'll just be like, cool, we'll just nip a goal whenever we have our opportunities. That the longer the game goes tied, the better it is, obviously, for. Uh, for Real Madrid. But I will say too, you know, even if City score early, City want the ball. And mm-hmm. that's how, Re- and Real don't care. They want you to have the ball because right. that, that allows them to do what they want to do. So I think no matter what, the, if you're talking about game script stuff, 
no matter what happens, it, it's leaning itself for one, a good game, and two, for Real to never really be out of it. Right. So that's that's kind of why I still like, I still do kind of like that under. And, you know, another thing, because again, like, are you going to do a couple things I wrote down? All right, you got Man City to money line. If you like Man City, all right, take Man City money line. Do you go under three and a half? That's plus 139. You go Man City money line under four and a half. That's minus 109. So at least you're getting close to even money there. Do you go Man City to win to nil? So one, two, or three to nil is plus 240. Mm. If you think it's going to be low scoring, I could see this being a both teams to, to, to score no situation. Because um, City have been really good defensively too. That's the thing. It's like they're, you know, they, over the course of the year, whether it's the Champions League or whether it's the league, like they are a good defensive team, especially since they've made that um, system switch to the three-two-five kind of thing that they've been doing. Right. So, I, I, I again, famous last words because these are two of the most talented teams in the world. I just, I think it might be low scoring, Paul. I, I'm kind of leaning that way. It could be. I mean, you, you get a decent price on it. Uh, a couple, of, one other thing I'll throw out. You know, we talked about Real Madrid not being afraid, whatever. I mean, they've already won at Liverpool. After trailing two nil in the first leg, and mm-hmm. they won at Chelsea, and that that series was basically over after a two nil Real Madrid win in the first leg. But point just being, they've gone to these big English fortresses this year. Not to mention they've done it in the past, but they've done it you know in the past few months and already won. So this is a team that will not be phased by anything. All right. So what what's your lean? I still lean with Real Madrid again. It's a little <laughs> bit of a, I can't. You go with a double chance. Uh, yeah, you can get like plus one thirty five ish on the double chance. I think that's that is definitely my lean. Just, yeah, you can, like I said, you can I, parlay that with you know if you like put throw a high throw under five and a half or something. Right. If you really like don't think they're gonna be, you could probably get you know somewhat close to even money on that. I, I, I think I'm gonna be against you again, Paul. Here, I, I hate okay. to say it, and yeah. like, and I think because I think you're right. Like everything you say is right, and I think you think the same for me. Like I. I like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't mad at your bet. I even liked your bet last week, and I think you said the same about taking the the, the city bet. It's kind of just like whatever, as I said, whatever numbers you kind of want to side with, yeah. and whether or not you believe this is the year that City kind of get over the hump. I do think Holland is the difference. I think the thing too is like you know Real Madrid's back line. I talked about it. Camavinga got hurt. He's been playing left back for them. He's been he hates playing left back. He's basically said that multiple yeah. times, but he's freaking awesome at it because they have such a stacked midfield and he's kind of a good ball progressor. Right, yeah. They want to get him on the field. So if they don't have him which you know, we don't know the status of yet. That's a massive loss for them. Mm-hmm. But I do think Rudiger and Alaba did play well against City, really obviously, well. at home in that first matchup. So you know, it's one of those things where if he's not in, do you put like Militao out on the left? I don't know that he's the same kind of guy as Camavinga for the style that they want to play. So mm-hmm. obviously, wait and see on that. But you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning. I'll probably end up playing the Man City, one, either the Man City money line or the under three and a half or under four and a half, just because you know, I don't like the money line on its own. And I don't know that I love to sweat out under two and a half, even if I'm getting plus 136. So make it a little bit more palatable and take a side and a little bit more goals just in case it ends up being like a 2-1 situation. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't feel super strongly about it. I, I mean, I know this is like one way we were put my, you know, put my foot, uh, hand on the table and pound the table and say, I like this side. I don't really feel that way. I didn't feel that way in the first leg. I don't think you do either. And I think both of us are coming at this from like a logical angle. We're just finding a different conclusion. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer in you know, doing the research, finding the best price, et cetera. Also, at the end of the day, I got to kind of live with this bet and be okay with it. And I'm okay with taking the team that has this Champions League devil magic on a double chance here. And if, you know, could City win this one 3 0? Sure. Like, they're at home. Wouldn't surprise me if City's just clicking. But I can live with that. You know, there's the range of outcomes in this game, I think, is very wide. Like, there's almost nothing that could happen that would be completely stunning. I mean, maybe like a huge Real Madrid win, but it's still Real Madrid. Yeah, that's the thing. 
Real Madrid don't get blown out either. So it's not like, I don't think right. this is going to be a 3 0 city win. I don't think so. But yeah. even if it is, like, personally, like, I can just live with that. Like, city yeah. wins. So I'm like, all right, tap kit, cap tip, I guess it would be. City finally did something they hadn't really done. You know, I know they made one final, but you know, they're just overcoming a, a giant in the semis and proving that they have some Champions League medal. They can do that. Good job by them, but I'm going to take Real Madrid on the double chance. It's funny. I texted you as soon as the Venetia's goal went in, which, by the way, I did I did give out Venetia's to score you or did? assist you plus money. So there you go. It felt felt good about that, but didn't give out. Obviously, we lost the side. I had City. But as soon as Venetia scored, I texted you. I was like, I feel so dumb taking City right now. Like, this is, <laughs> it was so obvious. That, like, damn it, Real Madrid. Like, they just, this is who they are. Was, but then by the then then De Bruyne scores the goal and they're on the front foot. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, I might actually win this bet. Yeah. And I it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been unfair. I think if City did end up winning two one, because uh, they were really pushing for it at the end there. So like there was just a range of emotions, and I kind of feel like that's what like two is going to be. So you know yeah. I don't know whether whether you like Paul's or eyes better. I you know I, I think we're kind of splitting hairs. It'll be it should be a fun game on paper no matter mm-hmm. what. But um, man, yeah, I, like I said, if I, if I, just like you could live with taking Real Madrid and and their pedigree and all that stuff. I'll, I can live with taking Man City not to lose at home. Right. Like I, right. I, I, I just think that that's not, I think that's a pretty reasonable bet to make. Yeah. But, you know, obviously one of us is going to have to lose. So, all right, we'll get a little more specific then when we get to our best bets in, uh, in a couple minutes. But let's get to the other tie here, which is the second half of the, the, the Milan Derby, which, man, was a barn burner early there. Inter winning 2 nothing, but scoring two goals, I think, what, in the first like 13 or so minutes. Mm-hmm. It was, it looked like the route was on early for yeah. Inter. And, you know, we got to talk about kind of, because we gave out the caveats that like, all right, we like this, but like it depends kind of if Layout plays. Uh, and obviously Layout didn't play. He's still kind of questionable for the second leg matchup as well, which totally changes how I feel about pretty much mm-hmm. any bet that I would make in this situation. But I don't know. Are we, I guess, are we throwing those out, I guess? All right. Because I did, I think I gave Milan double chance in the under three and a half. Yeah. Uh, but that, again, I, I like, I, I thought Layout was maybe going to play. He didn't. Right. Play. And I had a Milan win with a Layout asterisk. I mean, Full transparency, I ended up playing Inter to win at plus 150, and that obviously <laughs> yeah. got home. Um, I feel like we should throw it out. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, uh, and if someone wants to yell at us for saying one thing and do something else, I can accept that. Uh, I feel like if, if it, we clearly had the caveat when we made it. It wasn't like it came out later and then we were backtracking. Like, it was there. Yeah. So I think, I think the, yeah. the, the giant grain of salt was there. I think we're justified in throwing it out. Yeah, I didn't place my bet either. So sorry to those of you that did. But we again, I felt like we were pretty, I felt like we were kind of clear in, we that, in that, that you should probably wait. But let me give you the numbers here. So again, 2 nothing Inter in the first leg. This game, technically a Milan, uh, technically an Inter home game, I believe, right? This Inter home Correct. game, I yes. say? Yeah. So, you know, not that it really matters. They both play at the San Siro. So like, cool. I don't know. Like, maybe fact, you have you some know, more. The fans will be tilted. Some more ultras. Inter, that's better. Yeah, a little, just a little bit, exactly. But uh the numbers are interesting. So Milan to win is plus 105. The draw plus 230. Inter plus 270. To advance, Inter minus 2,500. Milan plus uh, 1040. I mean, do you think there's any way Milan... I mean, assume, even assume, assuming... Let's assume Leal plays here. Do you think that Milan even have a shot to turn this thing around? It's hard for me to see AC Milan. Obviously, they have to score twice. And if they only score twice, they have to you know, shut in around just to get to yeah. extra time. Um, it's hard for me to see both those things happening, even if Lau is playing. I mean, Inter just has so many more weapons. You know, we've seen him rotate all these forwards all season. He's done a pretty good job of finding the right combination whenever they needed it, uh, especially in the last couple months. Defense has been pretty good for Inter uh, until Saturday. I don't think that allowed more than an ex- unexpected goal over seven games. So, you know, and Saturday could pretty much just throw out the window because you know, nobody cares from an Inter standpoint kind of about that one. 
Um, I think they were up 3 0, and that's when uh, Spezia, no, Spezia beat Milan. Uh, Sassuolo yep. interplayed. They just racked up the shots and stuff when Inter was already up by three. So, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just hard for me to see Milan turning it around that much, being able to score multiple goals and shut down Inter. That's just a tough thing that you're asking them to overcome. It's two clubs that are basically going in two directions. I mean, Inter, we talked about their offensive woes, which were definitely insane. I mean, they were drastically underperforming their X3, and now they completely bounce out of that. Yep. They are now, I think they sit either second or third in the, in the Serie A table. They are going to be a top four team in Milan, as you mentioned, just lost to Spezia, and they're likely not going to be in the Champions League next year unless they win the Champions League, which is you know <laughs> likely not going to happen. Yep. So again, two teams just kind of going in polar opposite directions, and you know, again, this is all to do with Leao. When Leao plays, Milan are good. When he doesn't, they're not good. Like, it's it's that simple. And the other problem is there's no Benacer for Milan as well in the midfield. He got injured, and he's one of their most dynamic players in the middle of the pitch. So I sort of hate <laughs> any bet that backs Milan here. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of people, like, the, the overarching kind of, like, I don't know, the prevailing wind, I should say, is more that, like, there's probably going to be some goals in this game because Milan are going to be desperate. They know they've got to score and enter just kind of a great counterattacking team. So the over under for two and a half goals, the over is plus two, I'm sorry, plus 112. The under is minus 136. I don't hate the over two and a half. Like, I think Milan probably score. I think Inter probably could score more. I don't hate Milan, uh, Inter on the money line either. Um, I just don't know that I'd feel comfortable backing Milan because I just don't know that they have the, the horses in this yeah. to actually turn this thing around and really make it scary. Well, I mean, just look at the whole first leg. I mean, Milan were down almost the entire game and still only had 13 shots and not even one expected goal. Like, they didn't generate it. And I know Leal wasn't there, but there's no guarantee he's going to play more. I mean, even if, let's say he starts, is he going to play more than 60 minutes? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Uh, Are you getting 70% of him? You would take 70% of him for a half and probably be happy with it if you're Milan. Uh, So it's, I don't know, can Milan just flip a switch and suddenly find the attack? I guess they could, but. Again, Inter's defense has been solid. They have the attackers to hit you on the counter. And it, it's just hard for me to see a way back for Milan. Obviously, you know, whatever. You get one early goal, one bounce, one card, whatever it is. Things can change in a hurry. But Inter's just kind of slowly convinced me, even though they weren't all that good in the first couple rounds of the knockout stage, they've been good now. And they're kind of they're convincing me that, I mean, they are a significantly better team. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. I, I don't think Milan can find their way through here. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably end up building something around the inter double chance and a total, you know, number thing. Because like, I, I, again, I don't even hate, and I'll, I'll repeat it again because I think I screwed up the first time around. Uh, it is Inter are plus one hundred five to win. The draw is plus two thirty, and Milan plus two seventy. I don't even know if the two seventy for Milan is, I, you know, I just sure if you want to, I understand like the numbers are there, but I, I wouldn't have. I'd, I'd much rather take Inter just to win than everybody even money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that price is jumping like. I think when we started, it was plus 105. Now it's plus 115 on FanDuel for an Inter win. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just saying. So that's that. I like that even better then. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> I wonder why, why, wonder why we're moving there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, interesting one. So, if the, you know, the good thing is, and this is no disrespect to Milan, because I do think Milan have had a good season. They've got some good players. I think Inter, I don't think they're going to win in the final, but I think they have a better shot to make it a good game than I think Milan do. Mm-hmm. I just think the way they play, they have... They do have some world-class players some guys. who are now rounding into form. They'll probably safely be top three, so they'll probably put a lot... Of, you know, obviously, they're going to be well-rested, I think, for that final. Uh, just really I, well, I do think Inter... Just from the, they're just a better watch, I think, yeah. in the final. They're just well-coached. I mean, talked about they seem to find the right forwards to play no matter what. Uh, Inzaghi's subs 
just seem to work. You know, they sub the outside backs a lot. That seems to work really well. They just seem to know what they're doing. Like they have a plan. And sometimes that's a giant step is just knowing what you're doing. Everyone's comfortable in a role, et cetera. And it makes it easier to whether it's make adjustments, whether it's you know just do what you need to do. They seem to be put in a good spot to do that. All right, then let's get to our best bets here, Paul. Let's let's put some stuff on paper. All right. Let's uh, let's give the people what they want. Uh, I, last week we did two. I've actually got more than two. I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna get into your Europa League action here, but I won't I won't I won't subject you to that. <laughs> I will maybe do that on my own. My Roma boys are uh, holding a one 0 lead going back to Germany to see if they can get to the Europa League final. But why don't we do the Champions League one first? I'll give out our records. You are 18 and 14. Um, I am 16 and 18. Ever since we made the hair bet, Paul, I've just been Uh-oh. I've just been on the on a downward spiral. Like the, the betting gods are against me. They want me to to bleach my hair. So can't take I can the pressure around. But uh, yeah, I don't. Who knows? Either way, my wife will be mad. But it's not the other way. I'll just shave it off if it's terrible. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you go first because uh, you're you're on a hot streak right now. Real Madrid double chance. Give it to me plus 130. I mean, I could throw all the numbers out there, but really, it's almost vibes as much as anything. Real Madrid in Champions League. They've proven they can do it time and again at home, on the road. Doesn't really matter. This I think this match probably ends up looking a lot like the first leg. Obviously, it could get wild late because second legs do that. But just give me Real Madrid. Give me plus money on the Real Madrid double chance at plus 130. I don't hate it. Again, as I said before, I'm going to be on the other side. Give me Man City, money line, and the under four and a half goals. That's basically even money. I'm mean, like minus 109. Uh, I, again, I don't think they're going to be able to go in this game. And if I'm going to back City, this is kind of the way that you have to back City. I don't hate the under three and a half in this as well, as I mentioned before, to get plus 140, basically, odds. But I'm going to play it safe. I need a W here. So just in case it ends being like 3-1 <laughs> or something like that, uh, and City actually do end up scoring a couple goals late, maybe like, you know, Real's pushing and they end up getting that final one. Uh, give me the under four and a half at, at minus 109 for my first bet. All right. My second, I'm going to do what we talked about. Enter. Just give me the enter win. Plus 115. I know they don't have to win, and that's why you can get a decent price on this because a, a draw puts them through, a one goal loss puts them through, a two goal loss just for, in 90 minutes, of course, just gets you the extra time. Better team, more offensive weapons, not convinced Leal will be back and or at full strength. So just give me that better team that can score goals more easily, and I'll take the inner win. I feel a little weird taking it at plus 115 when it was like plus 150 last week. And you know, obviously, these are more or less the same teams. Yeah, uh, but I just think that's that's where we're at. Enters a lot better, has more guys who can do a lot more things. So I'll take plus one fifteen for the win. I'm going to play a little bit safer, but something similar. I'm going to go the inter double chance, so the winner draw, and the over one and a half goals because I do think I do think there will be goals. I don't. Both teams to score is another interesting one for me. If you want to go that route, maybe you, if you think there's going to be over two and a half, pair those together, you can get a pretty decent price for that. Uh, I don't think Inter lose this game. I, again, this is if Leal plays. I, I'm not going to place this until probably before the game, until we see the lineup <laughs> come out. To be honest, so like if you're listening to this, probably do the same. But I think Inter go through. I think Inter probably score because they're again they're a good transition team. Milan are going to push a lot of guys forward. They know they, they know they need goals, and that's just going to leave a lot, a lot of opportunities for I think both teams. And I don't think Inter end up losing this game. So yeah. I think at worst they draw. So I think they very easily could win. I think they could score a couple goals on their own, to be honest with you, just in transitions. But, you know, I, I could see like a, you know, a 1-1, a 2-1 inter, something like that. Uh, hopefully a 2-1 inter, and then both of us hit our bets ball. All right. Hey, I got to throw this out. So Liverpool, Leicester is going on as we're taping. Liverpool's up 2-0. Uh, you will not guess who scored both goals for Liverpool right off the bat. Is that... Is that sarcastic or yes. is it actually something no, insane? No, it's, it's uh, it, oh, Mo Salah. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's Curtis Jones has both goals for Liverpool. Oh, oh, it was sarcastic. Okay, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah. Curtis so after, Jones, uh, he was still in the mix. Yeah, after one goal, I think he had this season 
played about half the games. Uh, and now he has two in this game against Leicester. So Leicester's defense is continuing being Leicester's defense. So looking like, yeah, Leicester just on their way to what we were talking about beforehand. And that is, uh, you know, the championship for next season. Uh, and, you know, not that they, again, this is this wasn't like a must win for them, but. No, yeah. You know, we're, mean, running out, we're running out of time for Leicester right, to do really the anything. They're only projected anything. to get, you know, roughly a point from this match. You look at the, the betting odds and such. But one point with two, three games left in the season is giant. So, you know, the odds right. aren't going to get a whole lot worse because they weren't expected to. But every little thing is you know, just a massive change as we get to this point in the season. Nice. I did have Liverpool in the over two and a half in that game. So one more goal. Let's I, go. I, I have the same thing. Actually. <laughs> oh, let's go. We need to make it one more. We didn't, we didn't even talk about this. No, no I this, like this, it. This brilliant minds thinking a lot. I had a parlay right, got, with got, uh, Schalke not scoring against Bayern. So I got that first leg cash. Now I need Liverpool to get one more in the game. There you go. Let's go. Um, all right. I got two more quick ones here for, okay. the, for the Europa League spice. It's because my boys Romo. Let's, go. In let's it. do it. Um, so. We all know that Roma, like they're just the the unders are just juiced. Like they they know that like mm-hmm. any Roma match, like if it gets to three goals, that's an absolute barn burner. I they're taking a one 0 lead back to Leverkusen. I wasn't super impressed with Leverkusen in that first game. They scored, or should, I should say, they they had two really good scoring chances, like within ten minutes, and then Roma shut them down for the rest of the match. They got basically a rebound goal to go up one nil. It was the Jose Mourinho special. We know how Jose is in knockout <laughs> matches. Roma have not been good in the league as of late. But there's just some Jose Roma magic in these knockout tournaments, whether it was the Conference League last year and the Europa League this year. Um, I'm terrified that it's going to be Roma versus Sevilla because Sevilla are just like the inevitable oh, yeah. winners of the Europa League like right. every year. But I do think Roma get this done. So I'm going to take Roma at the double chance. So that's either to win or draw and the under two and a half, which is plus 162, Paul. Plus 162. I like it. I, I, again, I could see maybe it's 1-1 at worst maybe if if you hit this bet Roma could easily win 1-0 I just don't think Leverkusen they're not good at breaking teams down and Roma are going to sit back they're going to be happy to play on the counter um, they're getting some guys healthy Dybala is potentially back Smalling might be back I think Roma do end up getting this done so that's my first Europa League bet I like it my other one is in the other game Sevilla versus Juve which was a wild first game which was a which saw, we saw a 97th minute I think equalizer from Juve which was highly controversial because it was after the amount of added time it should have been uh, given and the Sevilla players were super mad but Sevilla played well in that game I just like both teams to score in this one this one's in Spain minus 116 I think Juve Juve have had their struggles I think Sevilla score because they're at home and they're just a more free-flowing better probably team I think Sevilla probably do win in advance but I do think this is one where both teams are probably going to get goals here. So if I get both teams to score minus 116, I think that's a good bet for Sevilla Juve. I like it. I may join you on that Roma bet. Sounds good. Give me something to cheer for on the, Thursday. The Jose special never never fails us. What could go um, wrong? So that'll do it for uh, for today's show. We'll be back, I think, Paul, what, middle of next week? We'll be able to look ahead to kind of the end of the Premier mm-hmm. League season, break down, as I said, some of those specific relegation uh, tie matches. And um, also the Champions League final will be set. We'll get you an early look on what the lines are there and if we're placing any bets uh, on that as well. So. Um, Anything, I guess, Paul, anything before we bounce? I guess, once again, we're on the, we're on the opposite sides of best. Maybe we can even our way out. Maybe I'll get the win this week and you can take the L. I don't know. We're just, we're just trying to be generous here. I'm just going to ride the Real Madrid devil magic as long as possible. I'm mad that I'm not doing it. I'm already mad at myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to text you as soon as, and when Real go up 1-0 at right. the Eddie Hat, I'm like, damn it, Paul, you did it that again. First I should That first leg was just, I mean, it was, it was the Liverpool Champions League final all over again, just kind of, you know, condensed into a first half instead of waiting until the second half for Madrid to get the yep. goal. It was just like it was yeah. the Real Madrid script that you know everyone kind of expected. It was it was almost funny how well it played out. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get a good. I think we'll get a good game no matter what. So, 
Um, and then good luck to good luck to my guys, uh, Roma, in the on the Thursday game. So thanks to Paul Carr as always. Thanks to our producer Stefan Anderson. As I mentioned, we'll be back middle of next week. Best of luck to everyone's bets, and uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>